Take your Bible this morning, please, and open to the Gospel of John and find the 20th chapter. Gospel of John, chapter 20. Dr. Robert W. Dale was one of Great Britain's leading congregational pastors and theologians. And one day he was preparing an Easter sermon when the realization of the risen Lord struck him with new power. Christ is alive, he said to himself, alive, alive, alive. He paused and then said, can that really be true? Living as really as I myself am. And he got up from his desk and he began to walk about his study, repeating, Christ is living. Christ is living. And, you know, Dr. Dale had known this doctrine for years. He had believed it for years. But the reality of this doctrine overwhelmed him that day and understand that from that time on, the living Christ was the theme of his preaching. In fact, he had his congregation sing an Easter hymn every Sunday morning. And here's what he said. I want my people to get hold of the glorious fact that Christ is alive and to rejoice over it. And Sunday, you know, is the day on which the the Christ, on which Christ left the dead. Friend, I wonder today, have you gotten a hold of that glorious fact that Christ is alive? Every single Sunday serves as a reminder of that fact that Christ is alive. We serve a risen Savior. He is alive, alive forevermore. And that is not something just to celebrate one Sunday out of the year on Easter Sunday morning. It's something that we should celebrate every single day. Last week, we took some time and we studied the Lord. We looked at the cross. We saw Jesus dying on the cross. And we looked at the topic, Jesus and the dying thief. And today, as we continue to prepare our hearts for the upcoming Easter celebrations, we're going to start studying the interactions of the risen Lord with some people. The resurrected Jesus and different people. And this morning we're going to look at Jesus and a weeping woman. And that woman, as you'll clearly see in just a moment, was the woman Mary Magdalene. Let's spend a few moments this morning thinking about Mary Magdalene. And let's consider, first of all, her devotion. Her devotion. Now, by now you have your Bibles open to John chapter 20. We'll begin reading there at verse 1. It says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they both ran together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. 
and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Now we want to think about our devotion for a moment. And I think a little background information is in order. Who was Mary Magdalene anyway? You go back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, and verse 9, you'll read these words. Now, when Jesus was risen early that first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, listen, out of whom he cast seven devils. Out of whom he cast seven devils or seven demons, evil spirits. And we think about that, we realize why she was such a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had literally delivered her from demonic possession. We know likewise that Mary Magdalene was at the crucifixion. If you turn back and just look in chapter 19, verse 25, you'll find these words. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. She had witnessed with her own eyes the terrible suffering The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. She saw him dying. She saw him die. And now we come in our study and we find her in John chapter 20. Coming to the tomb early on a Sunday morning. And I think a little more background information is is due here. To get the chronological order of all that happened on that early Easter Sunday morning. You have to compare the different gospel accounts. Now this is quite a bit to take in but try. Somebody else has done that. I want to share it with you. Three women, listen, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, start for the sepulcher, followed by other women bearing spices. The three find the stone rolled away and Mary Magdalene goes to tell the disciples. So three are coming, other ladies coming behind. They arrive there. They realize the body's gone. The grave is open. Mary Magdalene runs to tell the disciples. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, draws near the tomb and sees the angel of the Lord in Matthew 28, 2. And she goes back to meet the other woman, women following with the spices. Meanwhile, Peter and John, the other disciple, they run. They're warned by Mary Magdalene. They They run. They arrive in. They look in and they go away. Then we have Mary Magdalene again. We just read it. Verse 11. She stands by weeping. She sees two angels and then Jesus and goes as she's told. Then Mary, the mother of James and John, meanwhile, has met the women with the spices and returning with them. They see the two angels. They also receive the angelic message and going to seek the disciples are met by Jesus. So kind of gives you a little bit of idea of how things kind of played out there. That's a lot to process, but I hope you get a little touch of that. I thought it was important to point out. But back to our account here in the Gospel of John, talking about Mary Magdalene's devotion. Now, Mary was devoted to Jesus, whether he was living or dead. And it says here in our scripture, verse 1, she went to the sepulcher early while it was still dark. You remember, these ladies were going to finish the burial preparations. Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus had been forced by circumstances to hurriedly prepare the body. And these ladies were coming to finish that task. 
And when they arrived at the tomb, they noticed the stone was rolled away. Now, that within itself was a disturbing sight. And then they realized that Jesus's body is no longer there. Now, put yourself in their sandals, beloved. You go to the grave of a recently departed loved one. And you find when you get there, the grave is open and the body is gone. Now, here's the question. What do you do short of falling dead of a heart attack? What do you do? Well, we find that she runs. Look at verse two. Then she runneth and she comes to Simon Peter and to John described himself. Here's the other disciple and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. Now they hear that news. And what do they do? They run. Look at verse three. Peter, therefore, went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. They both ran together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. Of course, we know what happens uh, as Peter goes in. John later goes in. They see that. But I want you to notice this, beloved. None of their first reactions were he's alive. Mary didn't come saying he's alive. Peter and John didn't say, oh, that makes sense. He's alive. Even though Jesus had told them it did not register. Look at verse nine. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, even though he had told them. John two nineteen. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. But they didn't register with them till after the fact. But here's what's really interesting. The enemies of Christ, it did register with them. They did remember. Listen to these words from Matthew 27, 62 through 66. Listen. Now, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So you find his enemies, remember, they did their best to make sure that he does not get stolen and this error go on. And we have... His disciples. But yet they don't remember. But they did remember after his resurrection. John 2.22 says this. When therefore he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. But their initial reaction was not. He's alive. Mary, still devoted, returns to the tomb. Peter and John have returned, it says there in verse 10, unto their own home. So we see her devotion, but notice her emotion beginning in verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping. Weeping. Her emotion. She's weeping. She's wailing aloud. And it says, as we continue reading in verse 11, and as she wept, she's still crying, still wailing, still Having this emotional outburst here, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see if two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now, she's there weeping and wailing and she looks in and she this time she sees two angels. Verse 13 says they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? 
She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. They ask her a simple question. Why are you crying? She gives them a simple answer, because they've taken away the Lord. Now, very interesting to note that Mary's response to these angels here. She speaks to them as if they're just normal, everyday people. And perhaps that's exactly what they appeared to be sitting there. But listen, if I ran into anyone while it was dark in a cemetery and they're dressed in white, sitting in a tomb, I'd probably not be so casual in my conversation with them. But I find here she is filled with emotion. She's weeping. She's wailing. And at this point of the conversation, she turns around. Look at verse 14. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. At this point in the conversation, perhaps she heard something behind her or perhaps the angels either stand up or fall down at the presence of the Lord. But she turns to see somebody else that morning. And the scripture says it was Jesus. Now, she didn't realize it was Jesus. She did not recognize him. And Jesus asked her some questions. The same question the angels asked her and also an additional question. Verse 15. Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? He says, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. She thought she was talking to the gardener. She was instead talking to the creator of the garden, the gardener, her and the entire universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. She passionately pleads with who she thought was the gardener there in verse 15, saying, if you've taken him away, tell me where and I'll I'll take care of him. I'll take care of his body. I'll deal with him. And at that point, we have a wonderful, wonderful verse of scripture. Verse 16 says, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Mary. One word he speaks, Mary. It says in that verse, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. Do you remember elsewhere Jesus saying these words, beloved? It's in John chapter 10. He says these words. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, listen, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he put it forth his own sheep, he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The moment that Jesus, even though she did not recognize him, it perhaps was dark. Perhaps she was intentionally kept from seeing who he was. Perhaps he was just so overcome with emotion. She didn't know. But the moment he speaks her name, she realizes it's Jesus. Rabboni, Master. She instantly knows that she had gone to that graveyard on the earliest Sunday morning seeking a dead Jesus. Now she'll leave that graveyard having seen and spoken to the living Jesus alive, 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 alive forevermore. And we see there a picture of what Proverbs 817 says. You know, Proverbs 8, 17 says, it says this. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. 
Those that seek me early shall find me. She probably fell to her knees, grasped his feet and ankles, and was worshiping him, clinging to him. She had lost him once. She could not let, bear to let him go again. But we find that Jesus says some further words to her. And these might make us scratch our head. But look at what it says in verse 17. Jesus saith unto her, touch me not. For I am not yet ascended unto my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Why did he say touch me not? I mean, later he'd say reach in to, to another disciple. Later we know others would touch him. Why did he say this? Well, what did he mean by these words? Well, I think we see this thirdly in her deputation. We have her devotion and her emotion. Notice thirdly her deputation. Constable said this, the reason she should release him was that he had not yet ascended to the father. He had other work to do first. Only in heaven would it be possible for loving believers such as Mary to maintain contact with Jesus forever. Listen, rather than remaining with Jesus from then on, Mary needed to carry out a mission. She needed to inform the other disciples of Jesus' resurrection. This was the time for telling the good news, the gospel, not for remaining of Jesus ceaselessly. Notice what he says. He says, touch me not, but go to my brethren. He sends her on a mission, her deputation. I want you to go. Don't cling to me. Don't hold to me. I'm going back to heaven. I'm ascending to the Father. We know the Holy Spirit will come. The Comforter will come. But now is the time for you to go and do a work for me. And we notice her word, his word specifically. Here's what she's to say. Look at verse 17. Go to my brethren. Say unto them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Listen, Walford and Zuck really help us here. It said this, these words speak of a new relationship, new relatives, and a new responsibility. Listen, new relationship. Jesus said in effect, this, this physical contact is not my real presence for the church. A new relationship will begin with my ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church. A new relationship. Next, he talked about new relatives. He called his disciples there brothers. Now, earlier he had called them friends. He said, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I called you friends in John 15, 15. But believers in Jesus become a part of Jesus' family with God as their father. Notice what he says. Go to my brethren. Say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father. To my God and your God. New relationship, new relatives, and then a new responsibility. Mary's new responsibility was to testify of his risen presence. She was the recipient of four special graces. She got to see angels. She got to see the risen Jesus. She got to be the first to see him alive. And she got to be a proclaimer of the good news. And you know what, beloved? Christians today, we who know Christ today, we are the recipients of a special grace. We're given the responsibility to do what? To carry the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. We get to go and say, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive forevermore. And because he lives, you can live as well. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And they had spoken these things unto her. Mary was obedient to this commissioning. 
She was obedient to his command. She was obedient to this mission. And she carried this message to the other disciples. Now, you've studied this today. and You say, well, okay, preacher, now what? So what? What does it mean to us? What do we take from this account today? Three things real quickly in particular. First of all, we see here again, Jesus lives. Jesus lives. This is not the only time that Jesus showed himself and appeared after his resurrection. There's no doubt about it. We serve a risen Savior. And because he lives, you and I can live eternally with him as we trust him as Savior and Lord. He lives. But I want you to notice, likewise, Jesus loves. Jesus loves. I love the way that he tenderly speaks to Mary here. He calls her by name. Do you recognize today, friend, that he knows your name? Jesus Christ knows your name. He loves you. Have you thought about that lately? Several years before his death, a man who was considered to be a great theologian came to the United States for a series of lectures. And at one of these, after a very impressive lecture, a student got up and asked a typical American question. <laughs> he said, what is the greatest thought that has ever passed through your mind? What is the greatest thought that's ever passed through your mind? The aging professor paused and for a long time, he obviously was thinking about his answer. And then he answered that student's question. And with great simplicity, here's what he said. Remember the question. What is the greatest thought that's ever passed through your mind? Here's the answer. He said, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. That was his answer. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Do you know that today, friend? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you believe that he died after living a sinless, perfect life, yet he arose again? I like the way Wearsby put it. He said historical faith says Christ lives. That's historical faith. But he said saving faith says Christ lives in me. And there's a world of difference. Do you have saving faith? We're reminded here today, first of all, Jesus lives. Secondly, Jesus loves. But thirdly, Jesus longs for us to go with the gospel. Jesus longs for us to go with the gospel. We say, not this again, preacher. Yes, friend. This again. Surely you've not grown weary in hearing about the Great Commission. Let me ask you a question today. Do you think that Mary, having been commissioned by the Lord Jesus... Having been deputized, if you will, with this this command of this mission, do you think she casually and slowly brought this message to the disciples? Do you think she said, well, you know, I'm going to drop that down on my to do list and I, I'm going to tell them about that next week. Do you think she did that? No, I think she ran. <laughs> I think she ran with the news that Jesus lives and she excitedly. Listen, she excitedly and passionately told the gospel story. Go and tell. Go and tell. Now, how do we do it? 
Jesus lives? Or do we say anything at all? Or if you don't have anything to do, maybe Sunday, if you're not busy, if you're not doing anything, maybe you could, um, I don't know, you come to church with me, and, uh, but only if you're not busy. You'd be, okay, that's okay. There's no problem. Another time. Ne- next year. How about next year? Uh, I want to tell you how Jesus changed my life. No, we don't, we don't talk about the gospel, do we? We don't talk about our faith, do we? Jesus longs for us to go with the gospel. We need to passionately tell a story. Excited about it. How he changed my life. During his early days of ministry in Japan, Sam Boyles hired a translator to assist in his preaching. And the only translator he could find was a Japanese man teaching English in a nearby high school. And this teacher, this translator, was not a Christian, but he agreed to translate Boyle's sermon. Now, you know, that's a challenge just within itself for you to speak and then somebody else translate and then you speak and then somebody else translates so forth. And the relationship worked very well through the first few sermons. But it hit a snag when the missionary preached on the resurrection. And Sam Boyle said this. And on the third day, Jesus arose from the dead. And of course, you stop. And the translator, rather than translating, looks at Boyle and said, they're never going to believe this. They're never going to believe this. Listen, friend. May we never assume the position of that translator deciding who and who will not believe the gospel. It's not up to you and me to decide, well, I don't think that he'll believe I don't think she'll believe. I don't think he'll get it. I don't think she'll get it. Our job is to go and share the good news. Because the Holy Spirit works in a person's heart and life and brings about that conviction and that realization and opens their eyes to the fact they're lost and destined for hell and Jesus Christ took their place. Our job is to go and tell regardless of how we think they'll respond and regardless of how they do respond. It's not our job to save people. We cannot save people. We don't do the saving. Our job is to tell the story. Just as Mary Magdalene did. As she ran excitedly and hurriedly that day and said, Jesus is alive. Alive! And our story today is what? Jesus is alive. And friend, if you've never met him, He invites you today. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy and light. Have life today in Jesus Christ. And for those who do know him, those who have already met the master, those who already know the living Lord of glory, a Savior and Lord, your message today is this. Go and tell the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you that Jesus lives. We thank you that Jesus loves. And we thank you that Jesus longs for us to share that story. I don't know why you chose us, Father. We're weak and we fail and we falter. But yet we can go and tell because we've experienced it. We've experienced that which even the angels have never experienced. We know what it is to be dead in our sin. And then by trusting Christ to be alive eternally. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today 
that does not know Christ as their Savior, I pray this moment the Holy Spirit to get a hold of their heart and they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus this very moment. And I pray for believers that you would challenge our hearts to share the gospel. Work in this invitation time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.